You are listening to the Genesis Podcast, a community of faith, love, and hope. As we look to the scriptures, it is our desire to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. Thank you, Gabe. Thank you, Randy. And good morning, everybody. I really wanted to kind of talk about some things regarding how we move forward and not just with us as a community, but with us as individuals. And so we're going to begin kind of a journey on prayer and what it looks like, how it should take place in our lives, and hopefully be challenged in this area. So before we get started any further, let's pray. Father, we are thankful for this morning. God, as we gather here together, may we pause and recognize your goodness. May we be able to see that you are concerned with us, our well-being, that you provide rain for the land and you provide it for the just and for the unjust that you supply our needs. And Father, that you are desiring to do good things in our lives. And may we be aware of that this morning as we lean in to hear your voice. May you speak to our souls concerning prayer, concerning our relationship with you, And Father, may it shape us and may it change us and may it help us to be conformed even more into your image. We do pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we've been making negotiations and talking about the building, it seems like whenever big things come up in our lives, that's when we think, oh, you know what I should do? I should pray. You know, a lot of times, at least with me, I don't know, maybe you guys just wake up and think, oh, I should pray. But if I, you know, wake up and I get an alert from my bank that says I have $3 in the account, then I pray. You know, it's like, God, give me some work, provide something for us. But many times that's not where our minds go. And and it's almost like when there's a crisis, that's when we kind of reach out and go into this area of prayer. But it's supposed to be something more. It's supposed to be something more powerful. And so I've been reading a a couple of books, and one of the books that I'm reading is by Mark Batterson. It's called The Circle Maker. And in this book, he talks about praying circles around your biggest dreams and greatest fears. And I love that he adds that in the title, Your Greatest Fears, because that's, again, usually when we push into this. And, And this title in this book actually was born out of Mark reading one of the books in his library. It was called uh, Book of Legends, and it contained the teachings of different Jewish rabbis passed down from generation to generation. And it was one of these stories, the legend of Honi, H-O-N-I, or Honi. It was called Honi the Circle Maker, and it changed the way he prayed. And some of the things he shares are really powerful. And he talks about how Honi shows up at this time of drought. 
that the nation of Israel is in a drought. And, and when, you know, rain is plentiful, there's no need to pray. But when there is no rain, that's what you pray for. And that's what you need. And so Honey drops to his knees. He actually takes a staff and he draws a circle around himself and he drops to his knees, raises his hands to heaven with the authority of the prophet Elijah. He called down fire from heaven and Honey calls down rain. And he calls down rain from God. And I want to read a, a passage of the book. As Honey starts to pray, he says, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. The word sent a shudder down the spines of all who were within earshot that day. It wasn't just the volume of his voice. It was the authority of his tone, not a hint of doubt. This prayer didn't originate in the vocal cords. Like water from an artesian well, the words flowed from the depth of his soul. His prayer was resolute yet humble, confident yet meek, expectant yet unassuming. Then it happened. As he prayed, as the, his prayer ascended to heaven, raindrops descended to the earth. An audible gasp swept across the thousands of congregants, who had encircled Honey. Every heard, every head turned heavenward as the first raindrops parachuted from the sky. But Honey's head remained bowed. The people rejoiced over each drop, but Honey wasn't satisfied with a sprinkle. Still kneeling within the circle, Honey lifted his voice over the sound of celebration. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain that will fill cisterns, pits, and caverns. The sprinkles turned into such torrential downpour that eyewitnesses said no raindrop was smaller than an egg in size. It rained so heavily and so steadily that the people fled into the temple mount to escape the flash floods. Honey stayed and prayed inside his protracted circle. Once more, he refined his bold request. Not for such rain have I prayed, but for rain of your favor, blessing and graciousness. Then, like a well-proportioned sun shower on a hot and humid August afternoon, it began to rain calmly, peacefully. Each raindrop was a tangible token of God's grace. And they didn't just soak the skin, they soaked the spirit with faith. It had been difficult to believe the day before that day, the day after that day, it was impossible not to believe. Eventually, the dirt turned into mud and back into dirt again. After quenching their thirst, the crowd dispersed and the rainmaker returned to his humble hovel on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Life returned to no normal, but the legend of the circle maker had been born. And so this story moved Mark Batterson to, to start praying circles around things in his life, as he would say it. And the book goes through a list of things that they would go through and they would pray for. And, and as I would hear these things, I would think, boy, there's so many things that I, I want to have that kind of faith for and I want to pray for. There are things in my life and this building, this situation would be one of them. And Lord, I just want to pray a circle around this. I, I want to, to see you work in this situation. But it's not the circle, it's the connection to God that I need. It's that 
knowing that God hears and cares and wants to work that I need to have assurance in. Have you ever heard someone pray and after they pray, you feel like, I don't think I've ever prayed before in my life. It's like, wow, I think they talk to God and I think God listens. I I do that sometimes with musicians. You know, I play guitar until I see someone who really plays guitar and then I don't say, yeah, I play guitar. It's like I dabble. You know, I, I, yeah, I kind of mess around. You know, they play guitar. I don't know how they do what they do, so I do something different. And sometimes it's the same way in prayer. I, I feel like there's times where I've heard, and it's actually happened to me a couple times with children, where they start praying and I just think, they're talking to God. And if I was God, I'd be listening because I'm listening now and I'm pretty sure that that was just from the soul to God and it was like a direct line. And that's the kind of faith that I want. And to hear a story of a person who has confidence in prayer, so much so that there is an expectancy to see God work, I think it's something that's important for us. We need to see these things. Turn with me to the book of Joshua, chapter 3. This passage of Joshua is an important one to me. I've shared this a number of times, but for those of you who haven't heard, years ago I was at a worship conference and and I went to a devotion in the morning. And then that devotion, uh, the person speaking spoke on this passage. And as he was speaking, something began to to take place in me. And so chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Early in the morning... Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before." But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not get near it. And so God is given instructions that they are to gather the people and that they need to cross over the Jordan River and they're going to send the ark out ahead of them. And I love this because it says you haven't been this place before. And I, I can say that about my life in so many areas. I have not been here before. You have not been in this situation before. And maybe there's a circumstance happening in your life. Maybe you find out someone is ill. Someone has cancer. Maybe you go through a a financial hardship. Maybe there's a breakup in your life. Something happens and you feel like you could say, I have not been here before. I have not been in this place. I don't know how I'm supposed to go forward. I mean, let's face it. None of us know the future. I don't know what tomorrow holds. If we go and we purchase this building, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't know. I haven't been here before. This is my first time through. 
And so the presence of God that is resembled in the ark goes before them. And I think it's so important to recognize that in your future, God is already there so that you have an understanding that where I'm going is not new to him. Oh, it might be new to me. But if I belong to him, then I can be confident there. And so he gives them this instruction that they're not to go near the ark, they're to give it about 200 cubits. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. And and this is one of the passages that jumped out and, and took my heart for a ride. This idea of consecrating, it it means literally to separate. It's kind of to make holy. It's make yourself sacred. Make yourself a person who is devoted. Because tomorrow, that place you don't know yet, God is going to do amazing things. But if you're not sacred now how can you move to where god is tomorrow you see the reason we need to take ownership here is because we want to be there and so we're not just saying god do something over there we're saying god do something here because i want to be with you there wherever there is I want to see you at work, so I need to see you work first in me. Verse 6, it says, Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And then the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know I am with you as I am with Moses Tell the priests to carry the Ark of the Covenant. When you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now, this miracle that's about to take place is very reminiscent of one that had taken place and was very familiar to the nation of Israel. When Moses led the children of Israel across the Red Sea. And remember what happened there. Moses put his staff up and he raised the staff up and then the Lord parted the sea and they walked across on dry land. But that's not what's happening now. Now they got to go and stand in the river. That's not how you do it, God. Remember Moses? It was dry land. What if I step in and nothing happens? See, that's what I think. What if I step in and I'm just standing there? How long do I have to stand before it turns into the dry land part? Verse 9, Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose 12 men from the tribe of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot on the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. 
So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing from upstream. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarethan. While the waters flowing down to the sea of the Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite to Jericho. Now the land or the area where the sea stopped was a great distance away. And what that means is it didn't get dry where they were standing for a while. Some estimate that from the distance where it stopped to where they were standing, it could have been a few hours. Think about that. Think if you were uh, Joshua. The Lord's going to move, go in there, stand, and then you're standing there. And I mean, two minutes would seem like a long time to me, right? Okay, it's been a couple minutes. What are we doing? Okay, Lord, you said the people are going to see me like they saw Moses. It's been 10 minutes. Okay, God, it's been 20 minutes. Is the water going down? Uh, But we don't see that in Joshua's voice. We see this confidence. We we see this assurance. He says, you're going to see this happen. He, He talks as if he knows what's going to happen. You know, it's interesting in chapter five of Joshua, after they cross over and now they face another obstacle, Jericho, and it's another area that they have to get victory over. And just like in the story of Honey, the circle maker, where he circles and he stands in there and says, I'm not leaving until there's rain. We see the children of Israel circle the city of Jericho and they have to do it six days and then the seventh day they have to do it seven times before God does the work and and it's that waiting and wondering is this going to take place is this going to happen but in chapter five before this quest takes place in verse 13 Joshua was near Jericho and he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand Joshua went to him and asked are you for us or for our enemies Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now. And Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And so Joshua did. It's sacred. This this place where you're standing, it's special. It's consecrated. And he goes on in chapter six, verse two, it says, the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho. And it was past tense. It's not, I'm going to give you, it's I have given you. And God gives him these instructions. And again, these instructions are one that have to be one of patience, one that has to be of trust. There is nothing I can do to make a sea stop. There is nothing I can do to to make the walls fall down from Jericho. There is nothing I can do to make the miraculous happen. God has to do it, not me. And so we see that there's this dependency on God at this time. Let's take a moment. I want to stop and pray for Terry. Just I know she's not feeling well. So let's pause and pray for her. 
Lord, I lift up Terry to you. Whatever's going on in her body right now, Lord, uh, fatigue, um, just queasiness, whatever's going on, I pray that you give her strength. Lord, so thankful that she came out here. Lord, she probably wasn't feeling that well, but she wanted to be here. And I pray that you would bless and comfort her and minister to her at this time. We entrust her to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so as this work is taking place in the heart of Joshua, it's going to transfer into the works that God is doing for the people. And it's so interesting that God sees this in a way as it's already done and that Joshua has this faith in God that it's already done. Just like Honey in in that story says, Lord, I'm calling down. I'm not moving until you work. And then he prays, yeah, I didn't pray for just a sprinkle. I prayed for a rain that would fill cisterns, that would be overwhelming. And then when it's overwhelming, Lord, now may the rain be a sign of your goodness and your graciousness. And you see, what's being prayed for there is the recognition of God's providence and God's provision and God's concern and God's caring for his people. And if there's going to be prayer, it has to start there. It has to start in that relationship. It has to start in that understanding of God. As they crossed the Jordan, what they did is each of the tribes got a stone. And did everyone get a stone here this morning? I know everyone says, are we going to throw it at you? No, you're you're not going to throw it. But they would set up a stone as a memorial of what God did. And you see that memorial began actually with the consecrated life that consecrated life that was in relationship with the living god was in communication with the living god you see there has to be the understanding of who god is if we're going to go to him in prayer it's important that we recognize that that's what james tells us in chapter one verse five james says If any lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown, tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. And when I hear that, I think, gosh, that's kind of harsh because sometimes, you know, truthfully, I'm not sure. But what James is talking about here is when you pray, do you believe that God cares? Do you believe that God listens? Do you believe that God wants to work in your life? Because if you don't have that, then you have nothing. What what are you praying for? It begins with the dynamic. You need to believe that God cares, that God listens. Jesus says, if you were to say this mountain be removed and had just the seed of faith, that it would be done. Why? Because God cares that much about everything that you say and do. And God wants to do so much. But we have not, James says, because we ask not, or we ask because we just want it to be about us. And we're not really asking to be a part of the work God is doing. We're asking God to be a part of the work that we're doing. 
And the consecrating ourselves, the making our lives sacred is so that God can be a part of everything that we are doing. When Corrine and I were getting married, there was a, a passage of scripture that she found. It was in the Song of Solomon. She actually engraved it on my ring. I can actually get my ring off now before I couldn't. And I remember when she gave this to me, it's Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 7, and then she put C-S. And this was before she was Queen Scotty. I go, I like that. It says Queen Scotty. And it says, and I found a New Living Translation because I liked what it says. It says, many waters cannot quench love, nor can rivers drown it. If a man tried to buy love with all his wealth, his offer would be utterly scorned. And I love this passage because this idea of love is, it's overwhelming. That this love can't be drowned, but it also can't be bought. And it's so foundational to any relationship that's going to work. See, love is more than feeling. Karina and I have been married for over 30 years now. And there's times where she probably hasn't felt a lot of fondness for me. She, she probably, you know, had some times where she's maybe angry for some reason. It's hard for me to think of why, but perhaps. And the same thing with our children. You know, we, we love our children. That love has carried us through some difficult times. There's times where I'm sure our children didn't like us. They, they actually told us, I, they don't like you. I don't like you. And there's some times where I wasn't so fond of them either. See, but love carries through those things. It can't be overwhelmed by the water. It can't be drowned and there's nothing you can do that can buy it it's something that stands on its own and it was funny as i thought of this scripture i remembered our wedding invitations and i don't remember anything okay i really don't i don't remember the name of the church it was at i just remember it had bricks and you know, I remember getting married there, but there, I'm not a detailed person. But I remember the first line of this as we wrote out what we were saying. And it says, believing or knowing that we have chosen God's will for our lives. And then it went on to say something we are getting married on. I remember the date, May 19th. That's a good thing. I remember that. But I remember thinking, knowing that we have chosen God's will for my life. And I was thinking, you know, how did we know God's will for our life? I mean, it was a romantic thought at the time. Let's face it. You know, you're young, you're in love. We know we belong to each other. You know, if we were to look back now, it's like, I don't know if she'd say, knowing I've chosen God's will. It's like, okay, God's will was thrust upon me and here I am stuck with it. But there was this idea of I could lean into love and know that it was the good thing, know that it was the right thing. We so want to know God's will concerning what the future holds. And, and I can tell you this, that I, I don't know if God wants you to do A 
or a bee, but I do know that God wants you to be consecrated and he wants to be with you wherever A or B or C is leading you. And, and if there is the understanding and the relational connection to God, then what we can do is have the confidence, God, you want to bless your people. You want to deliver your people. Your will is to bring wholeness to your people. And so I can trust that it is God's will to help and make my life more consecrated. And there's no doubt that marriage has done that for us. I can look back and say, it was God's will, not because, oh yes, she is the one Everyone's looking for the one. No, because it is the life that God wanted to mold and shape us into. And so we want to pray circles around the things that we know God is going to do because they are going to bless the people of God. They are going to bring glory to God because God cares and loves the people because God wants to provide. And we can't be double-minded because we first of all know that God cares and listens to you and wants to do something powerful in and through you. What needs to happen though is there needs to be a consecration in our lives. There needs to be a recognition that your life is sacred. Your life is meant to be in harmony with God, that you are a part of the work of God, that you contribute to those things. And when you are in agreement with God, you are already in posture for the things that he is doing. And so you can pray with confidence, just like Honey did. You can say, God, rain. Bring the rain. Why? Because I know you want to bring the rain. Because I know you care for these people. God, you need to do more than this because I know your character. I know your heart. I know you want to do more than this. God, now maybe we see your goodness. And so we want to stand together and we want to pray for the future that God is doing, that we will be a part of it. And so we pray for this building, not because we want a building, but because we want to see the work of God show up in our community. We want to be a part of that work. And so we're going to pray a circle around this building. I know Karina and I have walked around it a few times and we're just like, God, we want to see you do something. And we get excited about the ideas that God wants to do, that we get to be a part of it. And so I'm praying that God does something miraculous in and through us. I want to see him flood our community with the love through us. So I want us to be a part of that. But you see, the beginning of any project, the first step, is this step, this connection with God, this prayer, this recognition of God's love. And so everyone take that stone and put it in your non-throwing hand. This is the first part of the building that God needs to take place. It is your conversation and your relationship with God. It is the first thing that needs to be laid. It's at the foundation. Is your relationship and your prayer to God. And so I want this stone to be a symbol and every time you see it, this thing that God wants to do in and through your life, I want you to take hold of that and say, God, this is where I start with you. Recognizing your goodness and recognizing that you want to do something in my life and through my life. Whatever that thing is, and I also would like you to include this building 
We want you to, to give us this building, God. We want you to give it to us for really cheap. And we want you to give us the money that we can uh, to provide to build it out. And God, more than that, we want this building to be a light in the community where your love will extend beyond those walls, beyond that street to the world around us. But it starts here. It starts with that stone, that prayer, that relationship. It starts with your life being sacred to God. He wants to do amazing things tomorrow. And he wants you to be a part of the amazing things that he's going to do. So let it start with you. And let that stone be a symbol of what God wants to do. Let's pray. Lord, believing that we have chosen your will for our lives, we are moving forward. Lord, we see you loving, caring, providing for the just and the unjust. Lord, your reign refreshes the entire earth. Lord, we want to be a part of that reign that refreshes this community. And so we come to you, first of all, recognizing that, Lord, we have to be sacred to you. And Lord, that means more than just not doing bad things and doing good things. That means being in conversation with you. That means loving you. Even when we struggle. That means recognizing you in every area of our lives. And Lord, these stones are just a a symbol of that recognition that this is where our lives begin, that stone of prayer and communion with the living God. And so, Lord, I pray that you would go before us in this endeavor and in all the endeavors. Lord, I I pray you would meet the needs that are here. Father, the walls of Jericho that stand before us, whether it be city building or whether it be cancer and illness, whether it be financial struggles, whatever it is, whatever that wall is, Lord, we have confidence that you love us, that you care for us more than the birds and the sparrows and more than anything else, Lord. You know your children by name and Father, we have confidence that you are going to do amazing things tomorrow because you are there and you love us here. And so we prepare for the life that you have for us. We lean into it and we trust you are there. Lord, we don't want to be double-minded. We want to be believing the miraculous. God, I I want to, to trust you for things that are big, not just things that are simple, things that are small. I want to see you do amazing things. I want it to be no doubt that God is there and is working and that we get to be part of it. And so we do pray you provide abundantly. We pray, Lord, that you supply all that is necessary, even with the owner and with the city and with all that is ahead of us. Lord, we trust you for these things. And as a community, we want to build these things together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's stand together.
May the God who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you blameless before God be the foundation of your life. And may everything you do start there. God bless you guys. Have a great day. I have one more thing to say. We are going to be doing our year in review immediately after or shortly after. So if you need to go get your children, please deliver the teachers from your children. And then join us back here right away. It'll be starting in about 15 minutes so we can go over the year and review. And I want to challenge you, if God has spoken to you this morning, said, I need to sanctify myself. I need my life to be sacred for God because I want to be a part of the amazing thing He's doing tomorrow. Don't let that slip by. You probably know what things need to take place. Let those things take place. And I want to again challenge us as a community to step into this endeavor with the building, to raise the money, to be able to provide those things. And I don't just want you to give your money. I want your prayer. Let that stone be like every time you see it, wherever you put it, let's be praying for these things and be praying for the work that God wants to do through us as a community. God bless you guys. See you back here in a few minutes, okay? You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.